Hey everybody, welcome back to Nano Junkie. This is the seventh installment of Nanotech News. Today we're going to be talking about a new type of innovation in quantum technology. We'll talk about cancer-killing nanobots again, and we'll talk about flexible circuits and a new way to make them using 3D printing. So let's do this. Science is going to tell you to move towards the nano. That's where the biggest benefit is. Have our sponge nanotube material, and it could be used for environmental oil spill applications. Cancer-killing nanobots that could soon be flowing through our bloodstream. The graphene is just a material. It's a it's it's, it's a wonder material, if you like. Bend it anywhere you want. You could have a computer screen that you could fold up like paper. You get this new world of materials which we were not aware before. And they're at the heart of a field we call nanotechnology. The key now is how can we use this to have an impact on the world we live in. Our first story today comes from the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. And they've developed a device that they think will make quantum technology much more efficient. So they're calling it a new nano component that can be used in photonic circuits. They're hoping that this device will make photonic circuits more efficient and will hence make more efficient quantum computers and maybe even a quantum internet. And so the device is based to work in something called nanophotonic circuitry. And nanophotonic circuitry is still a type of circuit. But unlike regular circuits, nanophotonic circuits use light to communicate information instead of electrons. So if you break down the word, nano, of course, means really, really small. And photonic means light or relating to light. So this is a device that serves as a nanomechanical router, meaning that it's very, very small. It fits into their photonic circuit and it can direct or route light particles to whatever part of the circuit or part of the chip that they want the light to go. And so this means that compared to their regular devices, which are much, much bigger, they already have a type of photonic router already for their photonic circuits. But these devices have a really, really large device footprint, meaning that they take up too much space. So it means that they their circuits have to be really big in order to incorporate these older traditional devices. And so by making, by scaling this router down, and making a nano-sized photonic router, essentially. They're able to have a much, much smaller circuit, and they're able to make smaller circuits to have more efficiency. Because they're using a router in their photonic circuit, that means that they can pump out multiple light particles or photons at a time, as opposed to doing one photon at a time. So before they had this photonic router in their devices, you have to push out photons or light particles really slowly in order to make sure that the light goes into whatever part of the device or chip that you want it to go to. So now with this photonic router in place that's scaled down to fit within the circuit itself, you can push out many, many more light particles into your circuit at one time. And you're going to be sure that each light particle will go where it needs to go because the router will make sure that the light goes to the position that it needs to go within the circuit. And so this allows you to push out more light particles per second. And since these light particles communicate information in photonic circuits, it allows you to communicate information faster and more efficiently. This is why the nanophotonic circuit is a good basis for making quantum computers and, according to these researchers, maybe even a quantum internet. 
And so this is all part of the big technological race called a quantum race, which is actually a thing. And quantum technology is actually a big area of uh, research and development. And Denmark is pretty much close to the forefront, if not at the forefront of this race. All right, for the second story, we have yet another episode about nanobots. And this is, of course, some nano-sized technology that's used mainly in the human body to perform specific functions. And so nanobots or nanorobots, we've talked about this before in the previous episode. In the previous episode, the nanobot was a spherical bead that was controlled by a magnetic field. And so scientists were demonstrating that they could use a magnetic field to very accurately control the position of the bead. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about helical-shaped robots, or robots that are shaped like a spiral. So this is the development that's being done by engineers at MIT as a way to improve nanomedicine or make nanomedicine more efficient. So nanomedicine is a well-established field of science that focuses on using nanoparticles to deliver drugs and treat certain diseases like cancer. So they're using nanoparticles to enable efficient and specifically targeted drug administration to diseases like cancer. So the problem with nanoparticles is that they have a hard time getting to the location that they need to go to within the body. Uh, you can imagine that you can have a couple ways of administering nanoparticles. One way is to just, if the, if the tumor in your body is close to the skin or close to the surface of your body, you can imagine maybe just rub, rubbing nanoparticles that have a certain cancer drug in them or a certain tumor-killing drug in them. You could rub those nanoparticles on the skin and hope that the nanoparticles penetrate through the skin. And some nanoparticles can do that. Some of them are, I mean, well, some of the nanoparticles will penetrate through the skin, but the skin is a really, really good barrier. And it's really, really good at keeping outside things out and keeping inside things in. And so this is not a very efficient way of administering nanoparticles to the body. So another way is to, of course, to inject the nanoparticles directly into the bloodstream and hope that the nanoparticles will find their way to the tumor or to the diseased tissue and be able to administer those drugs after arriving there. And so the problem with this is that the lining of the blood vessels is a pretty good barrier, too, at keeping things in the bloodstream, within the bloodstream. And so the main barrier to delivering drugs with nanoparticles from the blood to the tissue is this blood vessel lining. So this is where the MIT engineers come in with their nanobots. So the, the nanobots in this case are not delivering cancer-killing drugs, but they're making it's easier for those nanoparticles to get to where they need to go. So they build these spiral-shaped nanobots using 3D printing, and then they coat these nanobots with a metal, a magnetic metal like nickel, and this allows the nanobots to be controlled magnetically. So when the spiral-shaped nanobots are in a flowing channel, like the bloodstream, you can turn on a magnetic field outside of the body, and the spiral-shaped nanobots will start to spin. If they're in a flowing channel, this creates a convection current, kind of like a vortex, that actually sucks up any nanoparticles that are in the bloodstream and pushes them into the direction that they need to go in. And so to understand how this works, you need to design the nanobots to have a certain shape like a spiral, and you need to place them in the right location such that it will create a vortex that shoots the nanoparticles to where they need to go. And so the idea is that this vortex created by these spiral nanobots actually makes it easier for the drug carrying nanoparticles to get through the lining of the blood vessel, particularly near tumors where the blood vessel lining tends to be a bit ruptured and a bit leaky. 
All right, the third and final story of the day, and also my favorite story for this episode, is about flexible 3D printed circuits. And this is a collaboration between the University of Hamburg and the DESY Research Institute, both in Germany. And so what the Germans came up with is they combined two really fast-growing technologies, 3D printing and nanotech. And so they used silver nanowires, which is the nanotech part, they used silver nanowires to conduct electricity, and they used a flexible polymer to encapsulate these nanowires to, to package the circuit, essentially, and make the circuit bendable. And so in terms of the silver nanowire thing, it shouldn't be a surprise that it's just a really, really tiny wire. You can add the word nano in front of just about any object, and it could be an actual thing or something that could actually be realized, in my opinion. Uh, anyway, so by doing this, they were able to create of not just flexible circuits, they were able to build flexible electronic components. They used these materials to demonstrate that they could build a flexible capacitor. A capacitor is just an electrical component that can store charge. That's its most basic function. And so they showed that not only does this work, not only can you combine nanotech and 3D printing to make these flexible components, but the nanowires actually conduct electricity better than they would normally because of the pressure that's exerted by the surrounding polymer. So the, the polymer from the 3D printer is actually compressing these nanowires and making them conduct electricity better than they would otherwise. This technology can be improved even better. They plan to be able to build the entire flexible circuitry using 3D printing. My guess is that right now they're just using 3D printing for the flexible polymer, but for the actual circuit lines, which are the silver nanowires, they're probably just putting a mesh of nanowires on top of polymers and then putting more polymer on top of it. Their plan is to be able to incorporate this all together such that you can build your own entire flexible circuit using 3D printing. That includes the nanowires, that includes the flexible polymer around it. You select this circuit, you input that design to your 3D printer, and then your 3D printer can print that circuit. So there are a lot of potential benefits for this, not just having like a plug and play model for making your own flexible circuit, but also you can think of building any number of electronic components and making them flexible. You could build flexible sound sensors, flexible heat and temperature sensors. You could build flexible LEDs, flexible light detectors. You could create a whole array of flexible material that could be used in wearable technology. So you could have wearable technology can include anything from having circuitry lined into your clothing to having a flexible armband or wristband that monitors your your blood pressure and your heart pulse, et cetera, et cetera. So wearable technology has a wide range of applications on its own, from smart clothing to diagnostics and much, much more. So this is actually a really, really exciting development made by these researchers in Germany that they've taken advantage of two really, really useful technologies, nanotech and 3D printing. And these two technologies both have a lot of development potential as demonstrated by this most recent development. And there you go, three exciting stories about nanotech. And I look back on it as I was doing this episode and I realized that 3D printing, 3D printing showed out just as much as nanotech did in this episode. Both the nanobots and the flexible circuits were made using 3D printing. And that's actually pretty impressive. I could do a whole nother podcast about 3D printing, but since I don't directly work on that. I don't actually know how to 3D print. I've always wanted to do it, but never had the time or the money uh, to dedicate to that hobby. 
Uh, I guess I don't really do nanotech either. Well, I do work on it. I've worked in it. I've done research with it. So that's good enough. Anyway, uh, of course, my favorite one was the... My favorite one is about the flexible circuits. I think that's a really, really, a really, really cool thing. Because it's something that could impact consumer electronics. And it could allow you to build your own consumer electronics at home. Uh, I didn't even think about how using the flexible circuits for smart clothing until uh, right at the very end of reading that article. I was just thinking about what you could do with circuits in your clothing. You could have clothing that will, if you have a flexible sensor in your clothing that detects um, temperature, for example, then you could have a shirt that will create its own heat when the temperature outside gets below 50 degrees Fahrenheit or something like that. There's a whole, that's why I'm so excited for that article in particular. There's a whole like range of things you can do that could directly impact consumers and uh, directly in the short term, I believe. Of course, the nanobots is, the nanobots and the uh, quantum technology will also affect consumers, will also affect how we interact with medicine and with computer and internet technology. But I feel like those are more further off. Nanobots in particular and nanomedicine have been done for a bit for a long time. And it seems like the nanobot technology and quantum technology has a long, longer way to go before it becomes anything uh, commercializable. But I could be wrong on that. It could be that those flexible circuits are actually a more underdeveloped technology. Uh, I'm actually not sure, but from what I've read and from what I've, uh, from the limited amount of information that I've read and based on my own knowledge of other type of research that's going on, my best bet is that flexible circuits are the closest to becoming a real useful technology that could impact consumer electronics very soon. But yeah, that's it. Those are all three episodes. I had a lot of fun with this. I hope you did too. I hope you enjoyed the recent news that's going on. And of course, there will be another nanotech news coming um, within the next week. I'm trying to do these at least once a week. Uh, I'll probably do some, I throw a lot of jargon around like nanoparticles and Sometimes I talk about electron microscopes, and sometimes I talk, I talk about some other stuff. Uh, it's a lot of scientific or nanotech-related jargon that I don't really explain what it is because I don't have the time. So I'll probably do a, a few smaller episodes here and there, just an episode titled, What are Nanoparticles? Or How do we see atoms? Etc., etc. And I'm just going to quickly explain what it is, what it does, and just answer whatever question is in the title. And I think that's going to be really helpful for me because I will feel like things are actually getting explained on, on the podcast and it'll make it easier for other people if th they want to know what a nanoparticle is or how it can be used and they don't know how, what the significance behind it is. But anyway, stuff like that. It'll help you with the jargon. It'll help me explain things more efficiently in my podcast episodes. It'll help me feel better, essentially. But yeah, that's it. This episode is closing out. I will see you guys on the next one. Keep listening.